God designed us to be learners. However, much of our learning and discipleship today regarding the church, current affairs, and theology has been reduced to pithy sayings and viral tweets. Just Say It seeks to help Christians go deeper on church, theology, scripture, and current issues in our world. I'm Chase Davis. And I'm Matt Patrick. And join us and other guests for a monthly conversation on the topics that are impacting Christians in the church here in Colorado. You can expect candid conversations on the topics ranging from church attendance during ski season to Spurgeon's view of the atonement. All right, we are here today for another episode of Just Say It. And as uh, normal, we're just going to get right into it. Today, we're uh, talking about the winsomeness discourse, which if, if you're not an always online person, you may not know what we're talking about. But thankfully, we have a uh, professor from Trinity Evangelical Divinity Seminary here, Dr. Dave Gustafson. Dave, would you mind mm -hmm. introducing yourself and telling us more about maybe your background and your position there at the seminary? Sure. Um uh, I've been at Trinity now, I'm in my 11th year, so full 10 years, uh, in the Department of Mission and Evangelism. I'm a, now a professor of evangelism and missional ministry. So I teach courses mostly in evangelism, missional church, uh, history of evangelism, uh, gospel cultures, church and Western context, those kinds of courses. So uh, that's... Uh, really kind of my, my area, my, my sweet spot. Uh, I had begun really in ministry with Campus Crusade for Christ on uh, college campuses. Went to seminary, pastored for 20 years, uh, went into academia, which uh, I was three years at the University of Houston and Houston Graduate School of Theology before coming to Trinity. Um, so that's a little bit about my background. Uh, did a, a Doctor of Ministry at Fuller Theological Seminary and a PhD uh, in church history at the University of Linköping in Linköping, Sweden. So that's, that's my uh, academic background. That's great. Matt, and, and, why don't yeah, you share? And, and if you know Chase, he's working on his PhD, so I'm basically here as a stage prop <laughs> <laughs> with my uh, master's in my lowly state. Um, what is it, like 30 hours MA? Hey, you know what? It was more than that, thank you very much, before they changed the program. So, um, but no, like, and, and no, the, Dr. Gustafson's been um, a big part, actually, of our church in, in many ways. Um, yeah. Your family has been yeah. connected to yeah. the well yeah. from the very beginning. Um, I remember you attending a membership course that Chase and I were teaching when we met at Wesley Chapel. And, uh, you know, I, I think back to that time, it was so fascinating. I remember we had a president of a seminary we did. coming on and off um, when he'd be in town. We had you there, and we were just like, none of us, neither one of us had been to seminary yet. And we were Correct. just like, man, yeah. I really hope we didn't say anything too wrong. <laughs> but you've been really gracious with us and uh, um, your family, and, um, and everybody's been a huge blessing to our church. Yeah, we're super thankful for you. And well, thanks, you yeah. were in here, uh, town here, and so we were like, gosh, it would be such a great opportunity to, mm. to have you help our church think mm. about really something. When I think about us planting the well, I mean, I could do a uh, the command spacebar find on my computer. And if I <laughs> were to look for the word winsome, you would probably find it in many of my sermons mm -hmm. from 2011 to 2020. Mm -hmm. um, since then, it might be used in a different manner, mm -hmm. but you would find it then because really, uh, you know, I've talked about it on my own podcast. Um, it's kind of a thing. Shameless plug. Shameless plug. Uh, go, go look it up. <laughs> um, 
but it, it's kind of a thing that reflects kind of a cultural mood mm-hmm. in evangelicalism. So I think it may be mm-hmm. helpful for those who maybe aren't up to speed with what even is that word or where does it come from? How would you help people understand, and evangelicalism particularly, what does it mean for a church to be winsome or engage in a winsome posture towards culture? Yeah. Well, when I think of, of Scripture, probably the first thing that would come to mind is 1 Peter 3.15, where um, we have uh, the, the admonition to be ready to give a defense for the hope that we have. Hmm. Um, and then it's qualified uh, with gentleness and respect. So I think that that's part of the idea of, of what it means to be winsome, perhaps also like the qualifications of an elder uh, would have uh, the respect of outsiders. So there's something about you know how we are coming across that um, you know has has favor with with people. So um, it's it's somewhat qualified in terms of how we go about sharing the gospel. And uh, I follow something um, that a number of people have said, but we, we share Christ in Christ's way. So, but that's often understood in a, a certain a particular way. <laughs> form of, uh, it's more of Jesus of the Gospels and not necessarily when he's um, on the Temple Mount and he has a whip and he's, you know, um, uh, removing uh, people from the uh, Temple Courts. <laughs> Um, it's, it's more, yeah. <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> right. It's certainly not the, 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 the view of Jesus in the book of Revelation, where he's, um, you know, the, the triumphant um, king and, and ruler and bringing justice and judgment to the world. So um, it's not that there are two Jesuses. There's one. <laughs> and, right. Uh, and so um, winsome, I think, you know, has to do with us um, you know, conducting our way, ourselves and speaking in a way that represents uh, Jesus well. That's probably in the best idea of that. Um, where I think it gets uh, twisted a little bit now is, yeah, we're only nice. We're nice Christians kind of thing. And there's kind of this um, way that we always just uh, never um, are confronting uh, of other people or something like that. Uh, even speaking the gospel, or the, the uh, yeah, the gospel in truth, or or speaking the truth in love, those kinds of ideas. So I think uh, winsome gets gets a little uh, twisted uh, a little bit in terms of maybe what that is. But even kind of the idea of of having winsomeness as a strategy, I think uh, things have changed. I mean, mm-hmm. our our culture, our society has changed. So that's kind of I think where we're at today. The, if we simply lead with winsomeness, um, we're, falling the, we're, we're finding out that that falls short uh, because it, people are, are still, or, or they're objecting to actually what we are saying, uh, regardless of how winsome we actually are. Correct. Yeah. So in your mind, is it fair to summarize winsomeness uh, as a kind of strategy of mission and uh, being a missional church or is winsomeness kind of a, a buzzword, a, a strategy of engagement? Is that fair to say? Yeah, yeah. I mean, there are other, we've used words like cultural engagement, um, cultural relevance, um, seeker sensitive, I would say. So th- those words would be used at different times, seeker sensitive probably in the the 1990s, 1980s, 1990s with Bill Hybels, uh, Willow Creek, 
uh, Rick Warren at Saddleback, that sort of language. Um, somewhat also trying to be contextual, contextualizing the gospel to our setting. Uh, Seeker-sensitive, meaning watching our words, uh, not offending, or making non-believers feel uh, that they don't belong. And there's, there's something to that that's good, but simply kind of going in that direction too much or for too long, mm. and when the culture changes and shifts, and we become increasingly, our message becomes um, more offensive, uh, that's, that's then seeker-sensitive and winsome and cultural relevance really don't have as much um, to offer as maybe they did in the 1990s or early 2000s. Yeah, I, I want to ask a question about that because I think of kind of a, you know, obviously this podcast is primarily for our church here in Boulder, but I think just in the United States, kind of a watershed moment was 2016 yeah. during the election, the election year was kind of like a, there was a big um, change in the psyche of our culture. And it was already happening before yeah. that for sure. Yeah. But there was a change, and um, and I think people were confronted. I, mean, I was in seminary at the time, and I remember hearing professors talk about if Trump gets elected, it's all over, it's the end of the world. And but I was seeing people really wrestle with this idea of how to bring winsomeness into political thought and how they would engage with their neighbors in conversations in a really contentious election. Like they would talk about public witness. Like yeah, they, public witness. Like, we got to protect our public witness. Right? Yeah, and so I think Christians were, um, it almost forced people to go, how, like how, how does my evangelistic outreach and my personal political theory actually work out in this? And it was very confusing and disorienting. I still think we're seeing the ramifications of that today. And I, and I think I personally landed in an area where maybe I think that winsomeness and politics almost don't go together very well. <laughs> you know, it, it, it's, it's kind of hard to put them in there because you, you can see the effects of it and, mm -hmm. and things like um, a political system is to bring moral uprightness and justice to bear on a society. Mm -hmm. So what do we do? It's like, so for Christians that are wrestling with this winsomeness and a, everything's political now, as an evangelism professor, how do you handle that when I'm sure that comes up in classes and yeah. things that you're teaching? Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I would say, and this is kind of, let me just back up a little bit. So um, following uh, which I had read early on uh, Aaron Wren's article and um, uh, on his, his uh, sort of typology of uh, the evangelical worlds. church, right? The three yeah. worlds. He uses uh, negative, neutral, and uh, I'm sorry, positive, positive, neutral, and negative. Um, I've changed those words up to favorable, ambivalent, and hostile. Okay. Okay. But and I give a little more description <laughs> um, of those. But um, uh, partly, uh, you know, we we had a certain way that we communicated and there was certain acceptance and whatnot during the, the favorable period. Uh, the ambivalent period, or what he would call neutral, um, we're starting to see some shifting take place. And I think, Matt, you're exactly right. I put, you know, 2014 to 2016 and probably, yeah. you know, put 2020 on top of that with COVID. Yeah. We're in a very different world right now. Mm -hmm. And I think that as Christians, if we've kind of been in that seeker-sensitive mindset for a long time, mm 
and where um, we just don't have the favor and the acceptance of our message, or at least we don't have a place in uh, the at the table of our pluralist society that's increasingly intolerant, then what, what we have to realize is there will be resistance that um, the gospel will be more strange and, and even our ideas, yeah. our morality is gonna be strange and this ties to politics as well as it does uh, to the gospel itself. It, it's more strange. So um, I think we have to own our strangeness <laughs> and we, our weirdness as Christians. So, you know, what I'm saying here is it seems more and more strange, mm. um, the gospel, you know, that Jesus uh, is fully, fully God, fully human, you know, those kinds of ideas, that he rose from the dead, mm-hmm. that through him he has eternal life. Uh, Jesus even, you know, reinforced uh, what we see in terms of like marriage be, being between uh, a man and a woman. Um, so he, in the gospels, he, he actually quotes from Genesis 2, Genesis 1 and Genesis 2, what that means uh, for, uh, for God to create man and woman, for a man to leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife. So we, we are weird, we like yeah. sound more weird. So I think what we just have to do more is not just try to be nice and polite, but maybe um, own our strangeness. And at times in discourse with others, we just have to say, now what what I'm going to say here is going to sound really strange (laughs) to you. Okay, I actually believe that marriage is between a a man and a woman. So something like that. So, or I'm going to say, you know, what I'm going to say here maybe sound really strange to you, but I actually believe that Jesus of Nazareth was God in the flesh and that he rose from the dead. So, so we have to kind of let our interlocutors, you know, our conversation partners, the people around us, you yeah. know, at work, uh, at school, in the, in the neighborhood, we kind of have to let them know, I think, up front, that what we're going to say is a little more strange. That, I have found that that's helpful yeah. uh, when I'm communicating uh, to somebody. So rather than me just always being polite like, and avoiding a confrontation or avoiding a disagreement, I know in, in the end I'm, we're probably going to have to um, disagree agreeably, yeah. but I can say that. And, you know, I can actually introduce that idea. Now, we're probably not going to agree on this point, but this is the view I hold. Mm-hmm. Okay, so something like that, I think, helps us both evangelistically in terms of sharing the gospel and also perhaps discussing even uh, morality or our views of morality. So kind of owning that, defining our difference, for us to, to accept the, the sort of weirdness or strangeness because as our society and culture continues to go a certain direction, right. the, 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 the teachings of Jesus and the apostles and historic Christian morality is gonna seem and sound much more strange. Mm. So would you say that when we think about, you know, especially in Boulder, it's, it's a, I always describe it this way. Mm-hmm. I grew up in Dallas and, and both Dallas and Boulder, North Dallas in particular, mm-hmm. are very affluent cultures, mm-hmm. both politically opposite. Uh, and so I'm used to kind of being raised in a political environment. It's not like I was uh, part of our high school project was to go like campaign for a state senator, 
you know, in, in our government class. Mm. So, like, mm-hmm. being in a political culture is really not that uncomfortable mm. for me. But when you think about Christians in Boulder, uh, whether at the well or other Christians, when they think through the lens of politics, how big of priorities should they put on when they vote? What will my neighbor think about my vote? Mm. Like, should that, should that be a concern? Uh, if so, why or how? Yeah, you know, I think that, um, again, uh, we can uh, let our neighbors know where we are sure. and probably why we are where we are, if that makes sense. That's a good way to put it. Yeah, and I think we have to um, take more time to think through how we communicate that, how we go about that. And maybe even uh, speaking, um, you know, as as pastors, Christian leaders, you know, how do we help our people do that as well? Yeah. So I think rather than avoiding those, you know, um, going back and explaining, um, you know, uh, why we actually hold the views that we hold, I think that that's what needs to be done. And that takes more time. It takes more thought for us to do that. But I think in the long run, uh, that's going to be more of a benefit. We, we kind of want to get get away from, you know, cancel culture. Uh, we're, we're fighting that um, with, you know, memes and just, um, <laughs> you know, uh, short bits of information. And I think what we need to do is be able to, uh, you know, have good conversations uh, with people around us. So uh, I know that that's uh, a little bit tricky to do, but uh, again, that's where um, being willing to, um, to disagree agreeably, you know, to, to engage and giving people the space uh, to do that. And, and maybe to communicate, you know, this is my view, you know, I'm still going to have you over. We can go out for a beer. We can disagree you know, <laughs> on these issues in the end. Maybe we can still talk and, yeah. and have a friendship and a relationship. So, That's great. Uh, yeah, kind of pressing through that, I think, yeah. is what we need to do. Have you, just a sidebar, yeah. Yeah. have you ever made a meme? Probably. You know, I, I had one. I created something a few years ago. I took a, a is, nice puppy dog. I, I, I took a nice puppy dog, and um, I, I think I put over the over the puppy dog's body is like contemporary American culture, and then I put the tail, uh-huh. and I said American evangelicalism. <laughs> so because the. Um, the dog is the wagging dog the tail. was w- wagging the yeah. tail, yeah. Um, and rather than us being the ones who are influencing, yeah. uh, evangelicals are just kind of long on the, the cultural tail. So you made this swing. I actually made it. I think I actually might even have it somewhere. You made a meme. My... <laughs> Great question. Uh, I don't know if I ever posted shared it, it with anyone. Yeah, I shared it. <laughs> it was just for but, your own pleasure. Uh, I didn't. You know, I it's it's at that point I was probably making some decisions That's about great. what I have on social media. Sure, sure. Well, yeah. Well, I never thought I'd be the one to put us back on track. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Um, you know, as you're talking, I actually was thinking about something, and I didn't think about this until right now. I mean, so part of your areas of studies through church history. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the things I've heard as an argument, um, like against, like people like Chase and I are like, "Hey, winsomeness is not a great strategy right now, given the cultural climate and how our world operates." Like you've already talked about, yeah. is um, I've heard people say the world's always been negative historically. It's always been that. Do you think it's really 
worse off now than it was or hostile or more hostile right that's your terminology than, right than, than um in jesus's time right or things like that so what would you say to somebody who says um that that sort of question well yeah i the world has been a hostile place i mean mm -hmm. and scripture gives us uh, a number of examples of people you know persecution against uh, christians early church history persecution yeah. against christians one form of witness you know one of the uh styles of evangelism so to speak in the uh, really in the mid uh, to late first century but second century third century fourth century is martyrdom you know yeah. which is a great way uh, to see people come to faith in Jesus but somebody had to, to die, to die. <laughs> yeah. um, there was yeah. right um, you know so, so uh, and I have students um, from various parts of the world. I have a student right now from uh, Africa, Burkina Faso, oh, wow. uh, gave us a lot of, you know, in, in a course that I had last spring, um, examples of persecution uh, within the African uh, context. This fall, I had a student um, at Trinity in Deerfield from um, mainland China. He's on campus, he's Campus Crusade for Christ staff, actually but he's based in China. And so we're like, how do you do evangelism? Yeah, you know? right. Is it, we cannot do it um, publicly. <laughs> you know, you yeah. can't go out on yeah. the, the street corner, but um, you know, he does it. And so in, a, in that context, because of, of persecution, It's kind of like risk. CU's campus where you can't go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's just like CU mainland well, China. Same. Same. <laughs> Right. Well, it's, <laughs> so, like somebody's going to cut that out. I guarantee you. So there had there has been, but there's also been great opportunities, you yeah. know, to to share share Christ. Um, and it, you know, one of the things that talking about the book is where people actually go into hostile areas. You know, the whole sort of missionary mindset to really. Um, go from kind of the safety of, you know, a Christian community into, um, and the old language was heathendom. We had Christendom and we had heathendom. So heathendom is when you're going into an area where the gospel is not going. I you're like on the frontier, right? Pagan. We're starting to use the words like pagan and heathen and heathendom again. Well, here's the deal. My my, when I went to get my haircut last week, my I didn't even say it. She said it. She goes. Well, you know, I'm a pagan. And like, it's not even like, she didn't say that word because she knew I would say that word. She just identifies. Yeah. I'm a pagan. Yeah. I worship the stars. And like, she has witchcraft stuff everywhere. That's like... Where do you get your hair cut, bro? <laughs> <laughs> In Boulder County, Colorado. <laughs> I only go get my hair cut by Christians. Oh, sure. <laughs> Sorry, we, we so pagan and heathen, right? So, so part of the, you know, those who who go into areas and, um, you know, people like Patrick of Ireland is classic. You know, yeah. uh, a great story. You probably great have name. told his story. Great That's name. yeah, you would think so. <laughs> yeah. So you've probably told that story. So you know, uh, captured by you know, Celts goes to Ireland. Eventually, is you know, escapes um, during that time when he's there he's he's converted he remembers his childhood upbringing and hearing the gospel and so he comes to faith um back in in england he's um called by god to go back to minister uh to the celts and he does um amazing um but risking you know himself and uh 
in a context of, of Druid culture with the priests, and yet he, he finds ways to uh, share the gospel. Um, it's, it's confrontational. I don't think it's winsome. Now, it, he does bring a brewmaster with him. Oh, yes. Uh -huh. He has <laughs> really? a band of 12, including, so he comes bearing the gospel in good beer. So <laughs> that's what we did. When we moved here, we broke beer. And, <laughs> I was good. It wasn't good. <laughs> and he finds, you know, what does communicate to the Celtic. Yeah, people. right. He has a, a way of multiplying disciples, and he marches across um, Ireland. But and drives out the snakes. In the in, yeah, uh, that's part of the, the legend. legend, right? Yeah. But nonetheless, um, you know, he did not. He he assumed great risk. That's kind of what when we own our strangeness. We must also, I think today, post-2016, post, you know, that 2014 to 2016 to 2020, yeah. we have to assume more risk. This is hard for Christians. Mm. But you take a guy like Patrick of Ireland, you know, he assumed risk. Yeah. And um, you could look at uh, another favor of mine is Ansgar of Bremen, who goes to Scandinavia to reach my ancestors, <laughs> okay? <laughs> and, uh, you know, the... The Scandinavians were Vikings. You know, they were known for their uh, plundering and marauding and, and, you know, ruthless to anybody they encountered, their enemies. And yet you can imagine like, oh, let's go plant a church among the Vikings. <laughs> no, thanks. <laughs> and Ansgar does that. And uh, amazing story too. Very creative. He actually, um, part of probably my ancestors also, had slaves or were slaves in Scandinavia. And Ansgar actually purchased slave boys who knew the language, brought them back to Bremen, which is northern Germany, catechizes them, and they all go back to Scandinavia uh, to plant uh, churches. Um, wow. Most of them as part of the monastic tradition, yeah. of course, but... Uh, I mean, that's very creative, but confronting the pagan culture. So, you know, I don't, is that winsome? Uh, you know, I, I wouldn't I think say we would categorize it as that. <laughs> it's bold. Yeah. It's creative. It's creative. It's courageous. You know, there's, um, there's a dependency on, on God. And one of the things about mission history and evangelism history is on the, the forefront of mission, amazing things happen. Mm. There's, there's a, a meeting of uh, the kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of, of God's beloved son. Um, that's where mission is, where faith meets non-faith. It's a tough place, but it's, it can be exhilarating also to see what God does, how God works in those contexts. So I think in our increasingly hostile context in the West, we have to assume more risk be willing to enter into those places. I think if we're not assuming more risk, that we're actually taking a step backward. If we're used to operating in a seeker-sensitive, sort of winsome way, whether that's the seeker-sensitivity of Hybels in probably the, you know, the favorable positive era, or it's more like you know, just the, the winsomeness and cultural engagement or cultural relevance of, you know, um, uh, Keller or um, Russell Moore, Tim Keller, Russell Moore, 
Um, so if we're kind of still operating there in an increasingly hostile um, era or world, I think we're going to be doing less for the gospel. Does that make sense? Yeah. So for as sure. things become more difficult culturally for us, we have to assume more risk, or we're not even doing what we had done in earlier yeah. eras or that makes worlds. Sense. So I'm hearing you say a little bit. It's like you can think like if you think of like well, you know, during Christ's time it was negative world, but there's times in history where. We've seen things go through where, like, in American history for a long time, mm -hmm. it was a positive world. Mm -hmm. Like, it was considered a good thing. Right, like, right, if you yeah. wanted to go get a loan from the bank, right. being part of a church was right. viewed as a good thing. Yeah. You know, like, right, be a right, successful right, yeah. businessman in a town. Yeah. That was a good thing. You mean yeah. U.S. Bank wouldn't shut down your bank account randomly? That never happened if to you're, us. If you're a church. Oh, yeah, Megan Rashford. They did that to us this year. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Wow. So, but we don't know why. We, we will not... We'll not okay. assume the worst. Yeah, but, okay. <laughs> Assuming the but, best, there was a technicality. But, 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 yeah. but, but there's an up and down, and so it, yeah. there, there was a season in the United States. And yeah, that's not saying America yeah. has been perfect by any stretch of the imagination. Yeah. But there has been seasons where Christianity was viewed favorably. Yeah. But yeah. I can say, particularly in our context here in Boulder, it's not necessarily viewed as a positive thing. Yeah. You know, like being a business owner, being like, and I'm a member of a local church, does not give me any more credibility in my community. Mm -hmm. Yeah, 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 for sure. I'm wondering yeah. if in your book, do you talk about Boniface, Pope Boniface, or no? I actually do. Do you? I, I actually okay. do. Right, and I knew you you like Boniface. I and do. Right. So yeah. Maybe so, you can tell the story of. Well, okay. Boniface. Here's what I know. I want you to yeah. fill it in for me. So what I yeah. know, and is, if I don't remember, I've got my laptop. Yeah, there we go. To, we can just pull up the um, book. So yeah. he goes into the tribes of Germany. Mm -hmm. He goes in, and they have a tree. I think it's the tree of Thor. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. And he goes and ch awesome. he chops it down. Like yeah. he goes in and just chops down their idol in front of them. And that's his winsome model. <laughs> that's his evangelistic method is I'm going to go chop down your, your God's tree right in front of you. Is that yeah. a fair synopsis yeah, of kind yeah, of his yeah. method? Yeah. So Boniface, um, yeah, amazing. Kind of the same um, boldness. Uh, to confront the idols of a culture. And that's what uh, there, uh, very physically, he's illustrating and demonstrating. That actually is uh, a common practice even um, by a number of different missionaries, um, historically, those kinds of things happening. If there was a high place yes. of, of paganism, a high place of idolatry, um, that became often, uh, when uh, a missionary came in, they would preach the gospel, confront, and that particular high place then was often transformed uh, to become a church. So, and that, that would be the case of Boniface as well. And you have that happening in a number of, of places. So I was just in uh, Sweden this, uh, this fall and uh, in Uppsala, which was known for its, its paganism. Uh, very much it's Viking paganism. There was, um, and even in um, Uppsala, the particular place where the cathedral sits today, um, very much a historic um, um, uh, hold of paganism when Christianity uh, came and transformed uh, that particular culture, um, a church, a cathedral uh, was built. So that tends to be um, something that's happened historically. It, it happens um, Jerusalem is classic for this. Right, right, right now, there's, there's 
There's a mosque on the Temple Mount, but that's kind of the same principle uh, exactly. in reverse. Yeah. All right. So we'll see who wins. Yeah. Well, I think <laughs> on that's that a, one. It's an interesting someday, missional but, or uh, evangelistic thought experiment for Christians today. Yeah. Because I think that, to me at least, in my modern sensibilities as a Christian born in the 80s, raised in kind of seeker sensitive evangelicalism, yeah. there's, it's like, but Christians aren't supposed to want to take high ground. Christians aren't supposed to want to take power. Christians aren't supposed to want to kind of like uh, take over something. And yet all throughout church history, that, that has been a practice and that preceding the life of Christ where like we're going to take. So what would it look like for our church? I'm not saying we have to answer this here, mm -hmm. but just for our listeners, what would it look like for the well or for, the, for Calvary uh, Bible Church, for Christians in our town yeah. to have an attitude of what does it mean to take the high places in our town? Yeah, because I, I think about it, even when we planted the well, it was how do we partner with everything Correct. in mm -hmm. the city as compared to transform it? And I think really, if you actually yeah. extrapolate that out, that's actually what we were hoping to do. Yeah. I think that's what everybody's actually hoping to do for it to become more Christian um, over time, but it really is almost like this, uh, it's almost it lacks like an honesty to it. Correct. In a sense, if that makes sense. Yeah, it lacks the completed vision yeah. of what we want to see happen. Because well, of course we want to partner. What would happen if every business owner became Christian? Yeah. Those would be Christian businesses. Yeah, and then how would, how would that affect things? <laughs> yeah, so it's an interesting, it's an interesting thing. Yeah. Right. Well, the gospel has the power to transform, and it has. Um, and I think, you know, there, you have the message of the gospel. You have the, its revelation to us in Scripture. You have the Holy Spirit who's provided that revelation. And you have, you know, the work of the Spirit in our lives today. So kind of an interest of mine is, you know, uh, the role of revival, the role of the Spirit in evangelism. So, uh, you know, this... A discussion like this really almost has to talk about the power of the gospel itself and the power of the Holy Spirit to bring transformation so uh, to communities. But there's great examples of that happening historically. And sometimes it is with leaders. I mean, it could be with um, kind of the, the jury is out, uh, so to speak, with among historians on Constantine the Great and his particular role and his vision uh, for his empire. Um, and other emperors. Um, we could also talk about um, people like Charlemagne. Um, he had a strategy for evangelism. So on my mother's side, you know, uh, the, the, the Saxons, he was, um, you know, about converting <laughs> those Saxons yeah. and gave them kind of a choice. Um, <laughs> kind of. <laughs> right. Die but about convert. two or three generations later, you know, they're the Saxon uh, grandkids were catechized and Christianized and, and starting to be missionaries, and some actually came to genuine faith in Jesus. Right. Uh, real sorts of... So maybe not what we would say is... So it's probably... The pendulum can swing from winsome on the left yeah. to probably this sort of brute, sort of coerced conversion yeah. here. So right. somewhere... Um, in the middle, uh, there is free will and there's the work of the Holy Spirit and there's, you know, the, the power of the gospel and, and God's effective work um, uh, as well. So well, we have a God number is, of things. That God works with crooked things, right? <laughs> That's right. Well, I, it's funny as you were saying that, I thought of, I was baptized in the Nipper River in Serbia. 
And okay. that's where um, people were forced hmm. by the sword to be baptized in the Ooh. same spot. I, was, I didn't know that okay. until afterwards. I was not forced by the sword. Oh, no? <laughs> that's not what happened but to you? I, but, you know, then I, I was in Belgrade, Serbia hmm. as a missionary. And mm -hmm. I'm probably one of the only missionaries to actually get baptized while they're in the mission field. Yeah, that's... Realized I hadn't been baptized yet. <laughs> Odd. <laughs> Interesting. Uh, God is very gracious with his children. Uh, yes. And, but just seeing... Um, I was there right after Milosevic was taken out of power. Okay. And freedom mm -hmm. of religion was... People didn't really know if it was allowed. But these beautiful, massive churches everywhere in this rich um, Orthodox history of the church was a big part of their history. Oh, yeah. Culture that came out of some really... Uh, intense things that we would not look favorably on today. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 So, yeah, some great, uh, great stories of, you know, transformation that can take place. So that's something we, we hope for, we pray for, you know. I think we're overdue for a revival. Right. Um, and I hope so. Yeah. <laughs> well, you think of, you know, the, uh, the Jesus people movement. I talk about them in this book on the history of evangelism. Okay. So I kind of um, experienced, experienced that kind of young in my life. Okay. So, but going to, you know, like coffee shops where Jesus people were playing music and singing, you know, Maranatha praise songs with guitars and <laughs> Everybody's sitting around afterwards talking for an hour about Jesus, and people are converted. So um, that's coming, you know, in the, you know, at the end of the, the sexual revolution, which really continues yeah. in its in more and more perverse forms. Yeah. But that was, you know, the Jesus movement really hit late late sixties, definitely in the seventies. Um, you know, uh, political turmoil with Vietnam War, other things. Uh, so we're really overdue uh, for, I think, uh, uh, a fresh move of the spirit. Uh, so part of the history of revivalism mm -hmm. is that God, every so often, um, moves in dynamic ways and brings transformation to communities, awesome. which he could do in Boulder. Yeah. yeah, I believe. Yeah, and that's, that's our prayer. And I think that's a good reminder mm -hmm. for our, our church is, you know, it's not on our own strategies, tactics, we can get creative, but it's ultimately dependent on God to save and God to do a work here. And we've seen God do a work here already in our church. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And we've seen God do work in our town through, uh, was it Billy Sunday? Came up for a revival back in the, whenever he was around. Yeah, uh, yeah 1920s. There you go. Yeah. Uh, at Casey Middle School where we used to meet. Yep. Okay. Um, yeah. Well, if people want to check out more of this, because I'm a big fan of kind of yeah. evangelism through church history, the name of the book is Gospel Witness Through the Ages. Is that yes. right? Yes. Uh huh. Subtitle: A History of Evangelism. That's great. So, can you yeah. buy it at Amazon, or where can people find it? Right. Uh, all the Amazon. It's Erdman's publication. So, um, yeah, you can just search it, and about anybody has it. That's literally. They'll get it to you. Doctor David Gustafson, <laughs> meme lord. Yes, meme lord. <laughs> He should have just one tweet, and that's his only tweet, is the one meme he's ever made, participated in meme warfare. <laughs> I'll have to look for that on my laptop. You should. I, yeah. I think I might still have it, let's say. All right. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for Yeah, nice to be this. here and to yeah. just kind of chat about some of these things. Hopefully, um, you know, some of the things that we've said are going to be helpful. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, so many more questions, but we like to try to keep it. <laughs> A little bit concise for people because they already have to listen to us not preach. That's right. So, yeah. <laughs>
All right. Well, thanks for joining us and uh, we'll see you next time.